Hello and welcome to series two, episode 19 of Dad Educates Daughter on 80s music and a bit of 90s and a bit of noughties as we're finding out the longer we go. But um, more majority 80s or bands that had their first hit in the 80s. So, hello, Rebecca. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Did you have a good week? Yeah, it's been, I feel like I've listened to the whole of um, Pet Shop Boys' discography. Well, they, they had a lot of hits. I can tell. Yes. So, um, as well as the Pet Shop Boys, you had The Cult, you had Redbox, you had Power Station, Big Sound Authority, and Opus. Mm-hmm. So... How many number ones? So I've only gone for number ones with Pet Shop Boys. Oh. Yeah. And I think they had three. Right. Okay. So you listened to four number ones. Okay. So now is that is that extra one going to be with the Pet Shop Boys? Will it lie elsewhere? See, I don't know. I want to. I don't want to say it comes from the Pet Shop Boys. Are any outside the eighties? What of number ones? Yeah. Ooh. I don't think so. No. Oh. No. All eighties number ones. Okay. All right. So. It can't be for it can't be from Pet Shop Boys, but the others Changing only had already. no no no. There's three. I'm sticking with three from Pet Shop Boys. So who who are your list? Let's stick with the three. Who are your three? What songs that I've yeah, gone with? Are number ones. Um. So I've gone with um. Where is it? Always on my mind. Go west. And I'm going to go for really early. I think West End Girls could be up there, you know. They're my three. Like, they're early okay. ones. Because I, okay. I feel like the amount that you've given me for Pet Shop Boys, we've definitely gone into the 90s, noughties. So I don't want to go... I didn't want to go too late. Um, okay. But they're, yeah. They're them three. I, could, I right. just can't see another number one coming from anyone else. So where would you put that other number one? If I, if just a stab in the dark, what one would you go as another number one then? Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe it's not the cult, but the cult's got quite a few. I want to go with like a one-hit wonder with Big Sound off Authority, but then I'm like, one-hit wonders don't usually come at number one, and they would carry on. Uh. But then Martha Chessie and Hawks got number hit. one with a one-hit wonder. I am the one and only. Oh, okay. But then I was going to say Martha and the Muffins hit high, didn't they? And that was a one-hit wonder with Echo Beach. Yeah, let's go with Big Sound Authority. Okay. I'm just, yeah. So, there can't be four. Boys. So you're going with this house. Yeah. Is where your love stands. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, let's talk music and let's 
talk Pet Shop Boys to begin with. Yeah. So, so tell me about them. Well, Dad's Pet Shop Boys took up a lot of my week. I will have you know. I got carried away. Oh, did you? <laughs> like I say, I already feel like I've listened to like their whole discography. Um, don't feel like have. I could listen to any more musical bears if I tried. But they, I, I know they're still going. I know that. And they're, I know they're a duo. Yes. They do like a good little love song, but they do have a nice mix of like fast and upbeat slash slow and calm. They have a nice mix as you go through. And also they like a little change in tone with the vocals. So it's not always the same. So sometimes just randomly, there might be a random uh, letter, might be a random song where I'm like, oh, you sound a bit different. You've tried something a bit new. Uh So I quite like that, but I don't know whether they changed as time went on, whether they've ever changed their sound. Like sometimes I thought they were changing their sound and then they'd go back to kind of what I'm used to. So yeah, I'm not 100% sure whether they ever changed, you know, like we've seen before, changing as time because yeah, yeah, yeah. they've obviously um, been I would a say long, long no. Time. I would say yeah, they're pretty much still. Um, I mean, I'll let you know now before I go into it, but they're a synth pop, art pop, dance pop group. Okay, I just put so, simple synth pop because you can really hear the yeah synthesizer in there. Like there is no doubt about it at all. But no, you're right. It is more synth pop. Mm. So, yeah. So, Pet Shop Boys are Neil Tennant on vocals and Chris Lowe on keyboards. They were formed in 1981 in London. Oh. Um, as I said, they're a synth pop, art pop, dance pop. They actually brought out a greatest hits um, art pop box set. Okay. It split their hits into art pop and pop or art and pop. But what's the di- what's so art you- pop? I'll be honest. I could. I mean, it's it was hard. It's hard to explain, or even hard to to notice the difference. Mm. I thought because I wasn't sure which would be where or whatever. But yeah. Ah, okay. Maybe the different change that I've noticed. So yeah, I, I'll have to. I'll have to go and get it and just just quickly see what's on what CD. Actually. Oh yeah, and then I'll see if it's the. Same as where I've said there's a change in tone whether it marries up to what I'm hearing. So, yeah, the album is called Pop Art. Uh, Okay, I saw some of the... um, I've obviously got... That's the album art for some of the songs I was listening to. So you've got pop. Yeah. And you've got art. Okay. On the pop mm. are Go West, yeah. Suburbia, yeah. Say What have I done to deserve this? Mm. Always on my mind. I wouldn't normally do this kind of thing. Home and Dry, Heart, Miracles, Love Comes Quickly, It's a Sin, Domino Dancing, Before, New York City Boy. It's all right. Where the streets have no name. 
and a red letter A. Right. And now onto art. Left to my own devices. I don't know what you want, but I can't give you it anymore. Flamboyant, being boring. Can you forgive her? West End girls. I get along. So hard. Rent, jealousy, DJ culture. You only tell me you love me when you're drunk. Liberation, Paniero 95. Or Panero, sorry, 95. Opportunities, let's make lots of money. Yesterday when I was mad. Single, bilingual and somewhere. There is a difference. Yeah? Yeah. All those ones that you've read out from, was that one art? The last one was, yes. Yeah, They've, yeah there is a different sound. Like looking at my notes, there's like, I don't know, like there's just a different feel to them, like grouping them together now like it's I've put things like different vocals or um there's a focus on more of the music quiet like of yeah it's like more calm uh-huh. like like they're not playing around a bit but it's not as synth poppy like so it's not as upbeat I'd say so there okay. is a bit of a difference uh-huh. like yeah, like more dramatic or yeah. focused on uh, more focused on the music than the than the singing in the ones that you read for art. So yeah. maybe they like maybe there was a change in sound a little bit with that. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So as I was saying, I'll carry on. So Neil and Chris met in a hi-fi shop in Chelsea. I also did not know they were British. Oh, really? No, didn't have a clue, Pet Shop Boys were British. So, yeah, they met up in 1981. Um, Tenant had bought a Korg synthesizer in this hi-fi shop, mm-hmm. uh, which started the conversation with Lowe, and both shared a love for electro-pop records, especially Souvenir by OMD and Bedsitter by Soft Cell. Okay. So in their early days, they would both listen to what they call pioneers of electronic music um so they listened to the likes like of the early OMD. ones yeah yeah omd soft cell Craftwork, human league and depeche mode mm. uh, they started working musically together in tenants flat and then in 1982 in a small studio in camden okay the name Pet Shop Boys, so I know you sometimes like to know the name. Yep. Um, it comes from some mutual friends who worked in a pet shop in Ealing and were literally known as the Pet Shop Boys. Oh. So they took that nickname or whatever you want to mm. call it that they gave their friends for their group or their, yeah, their, their band name, group name, whatever you want to say. So, yeah. I did think I was like, it's got to be, if it's not something to do with a pet shop, then I'd be very disappointed. <laughs> if it's just yeah. random, but okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll let them have the name. <laughs> so Tennant worked in the music industry, but not directly. So he was indirectly through his time at Smash Hits. Okay. It's like a pop magazine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I so he went to 
New York to interview Sting to the magazine. And while there, he arranged to meet um, high energy producer Bobby Orlando or Bobby O as he was known in the industry. Right. And he gave him a demo tape containing It's a Sin and Opportunities. On the back of that meeting, um, Orlando produced between uh, 1983 and 84, 11 tracks for them. Oh, okay. Including West End Girls. So it was quite, it's not really luck because he was working anyway. He had to go there and he just made yeah. his own networking, I guess, didn't he? Yeah, he obviously knew what he was doing because he took yeah. the demo tape. He was obviously there prepared. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, Bobby, uh, Bobby O produced um, 11 tracks and they included West End Girls, It's a Sin, Rent, and opportunities. So the two that won the demo, it's a sin and opportunities, plus West End Girls, Rent, and yeah. as I say, then there was others. Um, West End Girls was actually released and became a club hit in LA. So it wasn't released over oh, here, just okay. in America. It's like they hit in America first, even though yeah, so it, it became a well, it became a club club hit rather than a a chart hit yeah yeah just played in the clubs of both la and san francisco right um it was only available in the uk as an import and on 12 inch so we didn't even do the normal seven inch single oh you need to get in the charts oh then in march 1985 the pet shop boys cut their contractual ties with bobby o however the settlement gave i suppose because they wanted to get back over into england and make it they just used him to produce their music see what they could do so they probably use then use that as demos themselves over here yeah that's true yeah that would make so, sense wouldn't it so yeah that, um but in the uh contractual ties with bobby o there's a settlement that gives bobby o significant royalties for future sales now i'm guessing that's on the the ones that the he, ones that he produced not yeah there's some big songs in those 11 tracks or even just in those four West End Girls it's a yeah. and opportunities. So. Mm. so the Pet Shop Boys then signed up to Parlophone Records in London. Not heard of that one before. Tennant left Smash Hits, even though he was deputy editor at the time in April 1985, and the duo recorded Opportunities for Release. And then in August, they re-recorded Rest End Girls uh, with Stephen Haig. Uh, the record became a success in the US, Canada, Finland, Hong Kong, Lebanon, Israel, New Zealand and Norway. And sold an estimated 1.5 million copies worldwide. And that's just West End Girls? That's just West End Girls. Wow. See, that's going to be a number one. So on the back of the West End Girls' success, the duo literally became international superstars because it was such a big hit. Of course, as I just said, you know, from Israel to the America, to US, to Norway and what have you. So, yeah. Mm. Now, they have won three Brit Awards. So 1987 Best British Single for West End Girls. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, we're now in 1987. It was first released by Bobby O in 1984. Yeah. So it's 
it's taken well a few years then to actually get it out yeah um, 1988, they won Best British Group at the Brit Awards. And in 2009, they won the Outstanding Contribution to Music. Wow. I mean, they have contributed a lot of music. Have they ever split up? Or No, no. But they've been like continuing. And like, have they always yeah. re- released music? Or Pretty have there much, been like yeah, years, like, you know, like four years list. where they've not? No, I say pretty much as you'll find out. Um, they've won two Ivan Novello Awards. Uh, 1987, they won International Hit of the Year for West End Girls. Mm. And they won in 2000 the Outstanding Contribution to British Music. Mm. I mean, to be fair, if they're going to be going for this long and they've not broken up, they've not had a break, they've been continuous. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get some sort of award, aren't you? Because you're just always there but then it's mad because it's not like they're getting the chance really now is it no and then mtv awards they've won in 1991 music video of the year for being boring okay and 1992 best cover for their cover of go west what's that cover it was indeed i did recognize it it is one that i recognize but I didn't think anything of it being a cover or thinking I've heard it elsewhere, whatever, because so I guess you listen to it. There are three voice. covers that, that okay. I mean, there might be more, but I think there's definitely three. I think It's All Right as well, actually. So there might, there might be um, four. I'm pretty sure It's All Right's a cover. But definitely Go West, which is right. a song by the Village People um, from 1979, oh when it was number the 15 in the chart. Following on from their success with YMCA, which got to number yeah. one, and In the Navy, which got to number two. As soon as you said Village people, I was like, oh, my God. So, yeah. Ah, I can hear them doing it. it Always on my mind, mm. which was... That's a cover. Hit. It was a hit for Elvis Presley. Stop. Yeah. I wrote for that. Has it ever been? But, um, even even Elvis Presley covered it. It wasn't even hit. It was a it was a, a cover. He covered he it, covered so it, it to begin with. Before that, so yeah. Well, I wrote for Always on My Mind. Has it ever been covered? Like thinking someone's got to have covered this, but they've actually covered it. Yeah. Wow. It. Okay, that's quite and funny. And then where the streets have no name was a U two hit that they covered. And it was a double A side, a double, a, sorry, a double A. Um, and to take the mick out of themselves, because they always say that you 2 didn't do a good example of their own song, hence they covered it. And on the A, the, the double A of that was How Can You Expect to Be Taken Seriously, which was like a big. <laughs> that was quite funny. Yes. And as I say, I'm pretty sure It's All Right is a cover as well. So yeah, or wasn't it wasn't written by them? So, yeah. Okay. So uh, so they so write songs as well. Oh yeah, yeah, they've written pretty much all the rest. And did you say did you say only one of them's a singer? Yeah, yeah, it's um, Neil Tennant's a singer. Yeah, and Chris Lowe's just the mainly the songwriter stroke uh, or music, definitely the music side of it, and obviously does he plays the keyboards? Okay, yeah. It's only because obviously there's a change in tone and whatnot. I was like, you did say yeah. there's only one. So I think he does like sing on certain 
bits, yeah. but not he's not the main. But he's singer. not that right. Okay, he's not known for. So they've had twenty-two top ten singles, of which ten were in the eighties. Oh my god. That's a lot. 17 top 10 albums, of which three were in the 80s, including a number one album, which was very in 1993. So they didn't get a top Uh, album until the 90s. Yeah, but they still had top 10s in the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah, plenty. And with the 80s, there's so much music that they're all fighting anyway, aren't they? So... So, are you ready to go through the list of songs? Yep. Strap yourself in, guys. It's going to take a while, so yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, 1985, West End Girls got to number one. Yes. I thought it was risky going with the first hit. Straight in at number one. Yes. Well, it's just—I don't know—it's so good, isn't it? Like, sing along. Yeah. You can really hear the symphony. It's weird. It was done really in well. 1985. Got to number one. Now, I don't know whether it was end of 85. Maybe got to number one by the time it got to number one. It might have been late 1986. Yeah. But they didn't get any awards for it until 1987, which is a yeah. bit weird. So yeah. Uh, so 1986, love comes quickly. Mm. Number 19. Oh, well, it had that one had a slow start, but it's got very good harmonies, which made me question whether there's another singer. But he's just obviously very good at singing and very talented. And then 1986, probably their first song, really, but just happened to be by the time they released it. Uh, Opportunities, Let's Make Lots of Money. Number 11. Okay, that one was really catchy. I enjoyed that one. 1986, Suburbia, number eight. I recognise this one, um, and it's got those 80s vibes I can never explain, but it's again, it's another very catchy one. 1987, It's a Sin, became their second number one. Oh, okay. So that's two. I mean, there's four across this week, so... If I'm right with the other two, all four go to these, but we will see. Well, it's a sin. It's a sin felt a bit darker, you know, like from that upbeat stuff. But yeah, it weren't bad. Well, it wasn't bad. It got to number one. No, I mean, for me. (laughs) 1987, what have I done to deserve this? Their duet with Dusty Springfield got to number two. Oh, okay. Well, this one was my favourite. Really enjoyed this one. The chorus is the best part. I don't really know what they're singing for the rest of it, but there's just something about it that's like it's been in my head. The beat's been in my head. Like it's just one that I've gone back to when I was able to. 1980, uh, sorry, yeah, 1987, still, Rent, got to number eight. Okay, that one slowed down a bit. Okay. 1987, their cover of Always On My Mind, number one. Hey, see, I was right with that one. Oh, that's three. That's three so far, but I'm right with two. Okay, but I recognise that one. It's got a good beat. I thought, has it ever been covered, as I said, but it's the opposite. They've covered it, but it's a good. 1988 now, Heart, got two, number 
one. Really? Yeah. I'm not a fan of that one. <laughs> well, I'm not go. a fan of the music in that one. Like the vocals are really quiet. It's just, yeah, that, that one doesn't stick out to me. It's just, it, yeah, it's just kind of there. Oh, so that's the four for this week. Yeah, so all in the 80s, as I said. And they're all Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. 1988, Domino Dancing, number seven. Recognise this one as well. That's another thing. I'm surprised at how many Pet Shop Boys songs I've listened to, but then I have got to remember that you listen to them, so that's where it would yeah. come from. But I'm still quite shocked. But in this one, they did a bit of talking instead of singing. You know, like when people do like, singing talking uh, and i was like i'm not a fan of that and this one i noticed a slight change in sound so now my favorite 1988 left to my own devices number four this is your favorite yep okay i went out i bought it on single i'm not that great a fan final single it's got a long intro and there's not, then I don't know, there's just, they're not really singing. I just, it's just not for me, but you go Number for it, four. Dad. 1989, It's All Right. Number five. That one had my foot tapping. That got me. Yeah, I like that as well. Yeah, that's a good one. Now we're into the 90s. 1990, So Hard. Number four. This one was a calmed down one. Like it was a bit of a change, but I didn't think a change in like their music. It was just more of a comment. And this is what I mean when I say they've got a balance of like that upbeat, the slower ones. So it's quite nice. 1990, Being Boring, the one that won their best video in the MTV Awards. That got to number 20. Hmm. Well, one's just in the background for me. Like there weren't much to it. Probably why up till now it's their worst hit. Oh, you know, it's still top Yeah, 20, it is, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. Love Comes Quickly was number 19. Yeah. Right? So, yes. So, moving on to 1991, uh, AA, as I've already spoke about, Where the Streets Have No Name, and How Can You Expect to Be Taken Seriously? Yeah. Number four. Okay. Well, Where the Streets Have No Name has a really catchy beat. Really enjoyed yeah. that. And How Can You Expect to Be Taken Seriously? It sounds like it's... Like, like, it's very smooth, like it's balmy. It's got a really nice guitar sound in there. I really enjoyed that. It was a bit different compared to normal. And I don't know whether it was a guitar, knowing that they're more synthesizer and whatnot. Yeah. But they had something in there that changed it a bit and gave it that something else compared to the others. So as far as U2 went, they, they released it in 1987, Right. And they also got to number four. Really? So, both, so both did, did... Diff, totally different got to number four. Okay, that's interesting. Usually yeah. one does better, doesn't it? Uh, 1991, Jealousy, number 12. Okay, this one's like a love song. 1991, DJ Culture, number 13. Okay, again, that was one I weren't a fan of. There was like more it's talking. a total different sound really, yeah it? it is like it changes there's like yeah. a bit more like again talking rather than singing the sound changes a bit it just yeah we're not there with me that one 1991 was it worth it number 24 
Oh, this one pumps you up, gets you like in a good mood, like up in like, I don't know, gets you moving, I'd say. This one would be good in like a club. So now we're coming to the tracks on their number one album, Very. Okay. So 1993, Can You Forgive Her? Number seven. Very strong chorus, but it went a bit rocky. So like a change in sound again, like, and I was like, oh, is this them changing with the times? But yeah, it just had a bit more of a, I don't know, a bit harsher sound to it compared to others. But it had a very, I really enjoyed the, the chorus. That was really good. 1993, Go West. Uh, as we said, a cover of the Village mm-hmm. People. It's also yeah. used, their version is used by Arsenal when they come out to the onto the pitch. Who's? You, Pet Shop Boys version? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. didn't know that. Uh, it got to number two. Oh, that was the other number one for me, weren't it? Yeah. So I'm still, I know a good song, I guess, didn't I? Yes. Um, yes. But I put, I recognised it and I put, it's like a chant slash anthem. And now it like there makes sense if Arsenal are using it and also Village People, I feel like they're, songs like especially like you know like in the navy it's very like anthony like yeah. i think like a type of sound to it hasn't it so that all my it's all coming together now 1993 i wouldn't normally do this kind of thing number 13 uh, this one really caught my attention it's upbeat but again i've written changing sound again but i think it's because i had like the rocky the harsher tones from Can You Forgive Her, that compared to that, I was like, are they changing again? But, and then I think this is where I started to realise that maybe they've just, they just changed the way that they sound by doing it, but do the same thing in a sense. But yeah, this one really got my attention. I enjoyed that one. 1994, Liberation, number 14. Now this one was weird because it was completely different to like all the others. This one made you feel very zen. It's a very calm song. It like the musical sounds of it, the, I don't know, just even like their singing is very calm, but it's just like the twink, I don't know, whatever they've done with like the music, like the twinkling sounds, it's just very zen. And this is what I mean when you've read out the art pop ones. Uh-huh. That this is the type it is. They're very calmed down and the music in the background is a bit more different. It's not as programmed. It seems more But smooth. This is where I'm saying, though, um, Liberation is in art, yeah. the same as Paninero, West End Girls, DJ Culture. Yeah, but they're all different yeah. sounding to their normal stuff. The only one that's not different sounding to their normal stuff is West End Girls. That's the weird one. I can't place that one. But the others are very different from their more well-known stuff, I want to say, like more like your earlier stuff or, you know, how can you expect to be taken seriously? Can She's you forgive her? Well, all right, it's a sin. Oh, no, sorry, how can you expect to be taken seriously? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, like, ones like that. Like it's just yeah. they've just it's just a different sound. Like when you've listed them out, because I've listened to them more recently than you all together, then you can hear a bit of a difference. Uh, Definitely. Okay. Uh, moving on. 
1994 still, absolutely fabulous. Number six. Now I'm pretty sure this was like a comic relief song. Okay. I might be wrong because it did have, I'm pretty sure it had the cast of absolutely fabulous in it. Right. Okay. That, that makes sense. So it didn't do much for me. It just, it weren't, I don't know, it just didn't fit in as much. So it makes sense if it's a comic relief. Yeah. But yeah, well, it, it weren't up there for me. I've got a feeling it was. Mm. Um, hence the high charting. Yeah, but it weren't up there six. for me. Uh, 1994, still yesterday when I was mad. Number 13. This is where I thought I'd moved out of the 80s. I've moved out of the 80s a long time ago, but this is where I was like, we've come out of the 80s now. <laughs> this one, I don't know, this one weren't great either. It was too programmed for me, like they played around with the sound too much on the synthesizer. 1995, Panero, Panero, woo 95, number 15. You told me Panera 96. No, 95. Well, is there more than one? No. Well, or was it 96? Because I've no, written 96. And Why in my playlist... Oh, in my playlist, it's just listed as Panero. I think it was an early hit, but never really released. And then they redone it in 95, hence right. it's... 95 that's the only reason for it but it's actually before then but it, yeah i've just looked it's different okay okay yeah i'm with you all right um, yeah it got to number 15 okay well it had like different vocals i was like always oh, changed it up a bit or in my head the other guy maybe did it but now i know the other guy didn't do singing he's changed it up a bit well, he might have done, as I said, Chris Lowe did do like backing, but it was mm. very few. He was never really at the forefront. No. Right. Uh, 1996, before number seven. Okay, this one had me tapping along, but there weren't much to it. It's more, more instrumental than anything, if you can say that with a synthesizer. I don't know, but yeah, it was more music than vocals. So when, it's obviously not up my street, is it? Yeah. 1996 still, say a V-Day. That's the way life is. Number eight. Very catchy. No idea what they're singing about. But it's very, very catchy. Yeah, I agree. 1996 single, number 14. Okay, so again, I found this one quite catchy, but it was quite repetitive. So, but it, it was, you know, it had to move in it, like, it got your, got your attention like it weren't just psyching in the background and it was, it weren't a bad repetitive. 1997, a red letter day, number nine. Okay. This one weren't up there with me. They were too serious in this, but it was quite powerful, but yeah, weren't the same. Okay. 1997, somewhere, number nine as well. Hmm. Well, this one, I put hint of the 80s. So in my head, I know that I'm out of the 80s, but obviously... As we realised earlier, I came out of the 80s a lot later than yeah. what their songs actually were. Yeah. But this one had a hint of the 80s. That was nice. You know, it had like the... I can't explain when I say that it sounds like the 80s. I can't explain it. And I hope there's someone out there that understands what I mean. But there's an 80s sound and it must be to do with the synthesizers or something. But there's just like a different sound and it's more jolly. I don't know. I can't explain it. But yeah, that's what this song gave me. Okay. 
1999 now, so they had nothing in 98. Oh. Um, I don't know what you want, but I can't. Number 15. Okay, this one was quite futuristic, but very slow. Okay. 1999, New York City Boy, number 14. Okay, this one was also nearly a favourite, you know. I do really enjoy this one, but it's got a little change in tone and it's very sing-along, so obviously that's why it hits with me. Yeah. Into the noughties, you only tell me you love me when, number eight. Nice vocals, sounded really nice, but there's not much to the song. So for me, it's not as high as eight in my head. Okay, 2002. So again, nothing in 2001. Um, but that could have been because they were touring or any, you know, yeah. it was just one year doesn't really, you know, or they were working on it. It's not like there was, so, it's not like a massive yeah. break, is it? No. And this is my favourite of their latest stuff, to be honest. I do like it. Home and Dry, number 14. We're very opposite with these. That one was more music than anything. It weren't, it weren't up my street at all. Like, it weren't bad, but it weren't me. So we're very opposite with these, definitely. Sticking in 2002, I Get Along, number 18. Mm-hmm. This one was like another anthem. It was good. It weren't as good as Go West, which was a cover, but yeah, it was like another anthem. They didn't pull it off as well, though. 2003, Miracles, number 10. Right, bear with me here. <laughs> They've got like magical sounds in here. They do something with their sounds. It's all like a bit like how I said liberation makes you feel zen. This one, they do something where it's like tinkly and just, I can't explain it. It's like waterfall, like, but it doesn't sound like a waterfalls, but it's like what I'd relate a waterfalls, like what you would listen to around a waterfall. And it was just very quiet vocals. Okay. 2004, flamboyant. Number 12. This one weren't bad. Very fast-paced. No idea what they're saying, though. Okay. 2006, I'm with Stupid. Number eight. This is just like a nonsense, silly song where it's like, they like saying the word stupid. <laughs> like, a lot. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Someone's stupid. <laughs> okay. So, so far, the two biggest hits of... The noughties, which both got to number eight, <laughs> you didn't like. No. You only tell me when you love me when, and I'm with stupid. <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> 2006 with a minimal, number 19. This one was quite housey, you know. So I was like, oh, I've really got this. I'm right in there. I know when they've moved on. This is the 90s because it's house. It's not... But it sounded house, like more like house uh, genre, like they were trying to dabble in that. Also, two thousand and six is numb, which got to number twenty three. Very dramatic, very dramatic. I mean, twenty three is not bad. It sounds like it should have been in like a film, but then it goes really calm, so it kind of brings it back a bit. So it's not too bad, but it, yeah, for them it was quite dramatic. I was like, well, ooh, you're going a bit dark here. Yeah. Okay, then we got She's Madonna from 2007. That reached number 16. And they did it with Robbie Williams. Uh-huh. I recognised it. Um, I think Robbie Williams does most of the singing on it. 
it's just, uh, yeah, I like a bit of Robbie Williams. So I knew that one. Okay. Nothing in 2008. So 2009, Love, etc. Number 14. Mm, that one, a bad one. It's a nice head bopper. Gets you moving. It brought the right beat back a bit. 2009, Did You See Me Coming? Number 21. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought that one go a bit higher. That one's nice and upbeat. Again, like it's a bit like Love, etc. Like it, it brings, like it gets me. What, uh-huh. You know, gets me in a good mood. And in 2009, It Doesn't Often Snow at Christmas, number 40. I'm not surprised. <laughs> not what I was expecting. When you put the word Christmas in a song, I expect Christmas, not this. And that was way too calm for it to be linked with Christmas. Very odd. Very odd. And that is where we leave the Pet Shop Boys. Yes. And we move on to the cult. Yeah. This was very, this was a big change from Pet Shop Boys, wasn't it? I went with their, I went with rock. And then as I listened to them, I was like, oh, I feel like you're hard rock or something. Like you're harder than what I've had since we've done the rock. And I don't know, it's a bit mu- bit screaming, not much of a singer. And it, but then they like calmed down a bit as time went on, like so they weren't as in my face. But yeah, and like they just look, they look like rock stars. Like when I've seen their album art and everything, they look like rock stars. So if they're not rock, I'll be surprised. But yeah. And where are you saying they're from? Oh God knows. I don't know. I don't, I've not heard anything. They don't look any. They don't look particular anyway. So. Don't know. So their cult are Ian Asprey on vocals, Billy Duffy on guitar, James Stewart on bass keyboards, Ray Mondo, or Raymond Taylor Smith as he's actually known as, but it went by Ray Mondo. Right. He was on drums until 1983 when Nigel Preston took over. In he was on them until 1985. When until Les Warner took over. Right. So a few changes. A few changes in the drummer. So they were formed in 1983 in Bradford. And they're British. They are. Okay. And they are a hard rock heavy metal band. Yeah, yeah, you can tell. I wouldn't have gone for heavy metal though. Like it's not that. They do a bit of screaming at the beginning, but I wouldn't have put them in that genre altogether for the songs that I've got. No. Yeah, but then again, we're not a, known for heavy metal, so they could have been not hits here. Yeah, and I guess that like these are just their hits. I don't know what else they've produced. The rest of their albums and whatnot may be in your face. So Ian Asprey and Billy Duffy formed a group in April 1983 with the original lineup. Uh, but however, drummer Roy Mondo, Ray Mondo, sorry, was fired in September. Ah, oh, he was fired. Right. And he was replaced by M- Nigel Preston mm-hmm. from the Sax Gang Children. And funny enough, he was replaced in the Sax Gang Children by Ray Mondo. Oh, so he came back. <laughs> no. Oh, no, he back. went back. He went. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, so, yeah. it's an easy way, isn't it? Yeah. 
And then shortly after the release of She Sell Sanctuary in May 85, Preston was fired for being unreliable. Oh. So Mark Brzezicki of Big Country and Alt, formerly of Ultravox mm. was temporarily brought in for the wow. filming of She Sells Sanctuary video as um, Preston hadn't turned up, which is obviously on the back of why he got sacked. Yeah. Uh, and then Brzezicki ended up being the drummer for the whole of that 1985 album, Love, as a session musician until Les Warner eventually was hired as the permanent drummer. Okay. So Mark Bozecki was literally his, he was with Big Country, and then he filled in with the cult. Yeah, with you. And that's two totally different lots of music. Very different. I suppose being a drummer, it... It it doesn't depend, yeah, I was going to say, you just play the music, don't you? Yeah. So the cult's mainstream success was between 1985 and 90 so with les warner on the drums right. that is their mainstream uh, lineup and would you say that's the drummer that they're most known in the group yeah i'd say yeah i'd say probably yes yeah. even though he wasn't on their biggest song which is she sells sanctuary mm. he was on everything from after right. that. in 1989 the band toured europe with aerosmith oh yeah and in the u.s they supported Metallica. Okay, so yeah, they're, they're, they're heavy metal, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> um, and then during the Black Rain tour of South America in 1995, despite the fact several new songs had been recorded, the tour was cancelled after they'd appeared in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, and the band split, citing unspecified problems during the tour. Oh, so then... Didn't get on, so probably. Um, something happened and um, they never, they split up during the tour um, and that was it. That was it. Um, however, in 1999, right. Asprey and Duffy, the original founding members, reformed the cult with new members. Oh, okay. So they kind of came back, but new members, as you say. Okay. So they had six top 20 singles and five top 10 albums, including 1993's Pure Cult, which got to number one. Okay, but they weren't around for that long, so they haven't done too I think, bad. I think Pure Cult probably says it was the greatest hit. Album. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, obviously, we know there's no number ones. Uh-huh. So 1985, She Sells Sanctuary, got to number 15. Oh, they're just screaming. It was horrible. It was horrible, Dad. They just screamed in my ears. Well, what it was released again oh, in no. 1993. I think probably, probably as with the, the promotion greatest hits. Uh, for the greatest hits, Pure Cult, which, as I say, got to number one. Mm. And in 1993, it also got to number 15. Okay, so it didn't do any better. Okay. But we're talking, you know, a different decade, different music. Yeah, but I feel 15. like, yeah, but I feel like rock is one of those things that will always be around. Like, you know how things uh, always change, and like you think of eighties with the synth pop, you think of nineties with your house and your garage R and B coming in. You know, two well, two thousands was more R and B, but you think of like a specific genre per decade. Rock, I think, will always be there. 
there's always no, yeah, people yeah. listening to yeah. it so yeah i know what you're saying we had rock with disco in the 80s yeah. in the 70s we had rock with electronic in the 80s yeah um so yeah it's just everywhere 1985 rain got to number 17 that one I don't know, it weren't really there. There weren't anything about it. It weren't too much in the ear. It didn't really stand out to me. But, yeah, it was just there. It's like an album 1985, filler. Revolution, number 30. Oh, this one was very, very repetitive. And I feel like there's some sort of deeper meaning to their, like, lyrics. But... Uh-huh. I don't know, could work it out and it might, they might just be singing for all I know. But yeah, it, it weren't, that weren't too bad. It weren't as okay. in your face. 1987, Love Removal Machine, number 18. Okay, really liked the beat on this one. I'm trying, I was trying not to focus on the vocals too much because they, I don't do, I think that's the thing about rock. I don't do how they sing more than anything. Yeah. But the beat was nice. Okay. 1987, Lil Devil, number 11. And then you have this one. 11. You have this one. It's just very instrumental. What? I don't get it. I don't get when people go for this. It's very confusing. 1987, Wild Flower, number 24. This is when I say that they calmed down at at the end. Yeah. But this one was a lot better, but there's not much body to it. I feel like they could have done a lot more with it. It's very quiet vocals as well, like, but there's just not much there. They could do more. So I was a bit annoyed, but yeah, they can't. This is where they start calming down. Okay. 1989, Firewoman, number 15. Okay, this was my favourite. It's quite a powerful one. The lyrics are very, and they're not too in your face. They're actually probably singing the best on this one. And, oh, yeah, it's a good one. I really enjoyed the chorus. Still in 1989, Eddie, Ciao Baby, number 32. They sung in this one. 32? What? How can you have an instrumental one at number 11? And one like this, it's quite catchy. It is quite a long song, though. But it's catchy. They're singing more in it. Get it 32. I don't know, this one was... Like, th- these last ones are the ones that I like. Okay. 1989, Sun King, number 39. Right, see, this one got me... Ta- what? I don't get it. Well, it could be that the, the audience that they were playing yeah. to Didn't is, like is totally different now. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, all that. Yeah. But this one had me tapping. I enjoyed them, those last ones. They weren't bad. Okay. So 1991, Wild Hearted Son, number 40. Oh, yeah, see? That one weren't, weren't that bad. It weren't as good as the ones before. Okay. Moving on then, I get a feeling you weren't a fan of the cult, but we'll find out later. <laughs> uh, moving on to Redbox. Yeah. These are a happy, I mean, there's only two, so there's not much for me to say. But I just feel like these just want to make you feel good. They're quite happy. I feel like they're just pop in general. They're like your stereotypical pop, upbeat, you know, that type of 
way to go around it. So, yeah, these were more up my street than a coach. I like Red Box, and I wish they made more singles. Are they, so have they pleased, not? I'm pleased to say I have got their album, um, which actually is very few and far between, to be honest. It, it's a hard album to get hold of, and I have got, I have got their album. I thought you were telling me that's what it was called then. No, it's a circle of something, their album. So Red Box are Simon Tolson Clark on vocals and guitar, Julian Close on saxophone. They're the main two. Right. And then you've got their backing musicians of Paddy Talbot on keyboards, Rob Legg on the bass, and Martin Nixon on drums. Are they all it's men? mainly Tolson Clark and Close. Uh, I'd say so, yes. Hmm. But then I find some men have very high pitched voices, but it sounded like there was a hit, like, I don't know, like a woman vocal in there somewhere. But maybe it was just their, their um, what do you call it? Their voice hasn't hadn't broken as much as the office. So they were formed in 1983 in London. Oh, we got a lot they of British are a new band. wave pop band. Oh, forget the new wave, they're pop. <laughs> So they were originally called Harlequins, but they changed their name. And the name Redbox comes after a box left by Watkins Slade right. following a performance at a college. And for their favoured political following, I suppose, as in the rent side. Right, OK. It's Redbox. That's a very Simple. different change from Harlequins, yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, red box is probably easier. It's more. And they've still light. got the box that Slade had left and they keep their microphones in it. That's a cool little bit of trivia, isn't yeah. it? So, so I found out. So the band was signed to WEA Records. And after the success of Lean On Me, they were still not, for whatever reason, I don't know why, because they're, you know, they should have been, but they weren't mainstream. They just, you know, even though they had this hit, as I say, their album didn't really, it got to number 93 or something I looked. So they just weren't mainstream. So, yeah, they just weren't, maybe they didn't have the promotions. Possibly. So WEA requested something to appeal to the American radio so that they could obviously build up their audience because obviously mm. the biggest audience is in America. Yeah. So that's hence For America was born. Ah, that makes so sense. So, yeah, so that was written on the back of giving something American. One in, yeah, yeah. Um, so the song outsold Lean On Me. Right, so that was their biggest one. Worldwide. However, right. it was not a hit in America. <laughs> really? So Although they made a song number one in America. six other countries. Oh, that's mad. So they made a song yeah. for America, literally titled yeah. For America. Yeah, and it didn't hit over there. No, That's but it did fair. get to number one in six other countries. But yeah, wasn't a hit in America. That's crazy. It is. So Julian Close left the band in '87, and he then worked behind the scenes at EMI, eventually becoming head of A and R, which I had to look up. It's called. It's a, it's known as Artists and Repertoire. And it's right. like a talent scout. So he signs up oh, okay. for the record label. With you. Okay. That's yeah, not a bad job, is it? No. So time and 
Tolson Clark is still active as Redbox. Yeah. And um, he obviously has a, now a new backing group uh, made just up of session musicians. Yeah. Easiest way to do it by the sound of it. And they had two top 10 hits. Which I have been given. Which you have been given. So 1985, Lean On Me, I, 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 or, or however. Oh, yeah, like the A-O, A-I, yeah. Lean A-O, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That got to number three. Ooh, that's good. That was my favourite out of the two. I feel a bit bad now because they worked so hard on on the for America to get to America. But that was my favourite. It's upbeat, it's feel good. Like, it's just that standard pop song, like I said at the beginning. That's what I see them as a band. Yeah. And in 1986 for America, as I say, it got to number one in six countries. Well, it didn't get to number one in we know no, but it might got to number two to be better than Lean On Me because, as I said, it was um, oh, a worldwide yeah, hit sales. and outsold. Yeah, um, Lean On Me. Lean On Me. However, right. over here, like you, people didn't like it as much. It only got to, well, I say only, it got to number 10. Okay, do you know what's really weird? So <laughs> you've explained what the song is for. I thought it was a bit of a nonsense song. <laughs> What, they were just uh, doing it for fun. Well, maybe that's maybe the Americans thought that as well. Which maybe. Uh, it wasn't a hit. Yeah, it just weren't as structured and whatnot as Lean On Me. It just felt a bit like they were having some fun. And I was like, well, where's your Lean On Me gone? Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad it didn't hit as high so, as Lean On Me. Moving on to Power Station. Yeah. These are rock again. They're very much rock. Well, if you say they're not, I'll be a freak out. Um, they like their sounds. And, yeah, it was just a bit hard to get into. Like, I, went, I didn't go for hard rock or anything. I didn't think they were, like, up where the cult is. But they're more... I don't know, the cult is with their singing. Well, quote, singing. Um, they're screaming. Whereas these can sing, but they play with music and their instruments and what have you in that sense. So that's what I heard a lot in the songs. Okay. So see if you recognise any of these names. Power Station were Robert Palmer on vocals. Okay. Tony Thompson on drums. John Taylor on bass. And Andy Taylor on guitar. No. Okay. They were formed in 1984 in London, stroke New York. And they're a pop rock band, New Wave. Of course, New Wave is there. So (laughs) I suppose when they're pop, uh, rock, I suppose they're a bit like Queen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not as singing and upbeat as Queen. Queen have a bit of something else in them, don't they? So they are a super group. That's why you want so me to recognise the names. Who is a soloist. Right, so I wouldn't have heard from him before. Tony Thompson from Chic. He's a drummer. And then you had Duran Duran's duo, John Taylor and Andy Taylor. I mean, they were a long time ago, Dad. I don't remember oh, yeah. their names. So Power Station was named after the Power Station recording studio in New York, hence why they were classed as formed in London stroke New York. 
Ah, okay. Okay. So after Duran Duran's third album, the members took a planned short hiatus. Right. Splitting into two separate projects. I was going to say, because they weren't a duo, Duran Duran, were they? So, Simon Le Bon and... See, if you said that name, I recognise that name. Simon Le Bon and the other one, whose name I can't now remember, Uh... uh, who was um, behind... Catch a goo goo. Oh, I can't think of his name now. Anyway, him and Simon Le Bon. Nick Rhodes. Nick Rhodes, thank you. Yes. Nick Rhodes and Simon Le Bon, they went and had a project called Arcadia. Yeah. If you remember, we have. Yeah. Didn't, didn't enjoy Arcadia. And they kept to the synth pop sound um, while Power Station with the two. Taylors, not related Taylors, but John and Andy Taylor, they leaned more towards the rock sound. So they went a completely different to what they were used to. Mm -hmm. So originally the duo, Andy and John, had thought of recording an album with different soloists. They even approached the following. Mick Jagger, Billy Idol, Mick Ronson, and Richard Butler of the Psychedelic Furs. Okay. Um, they then invited Robert Palmer to record Communication, which actually got to number 75, just so you know. Hence I was going to say, I've not got that one. And when he heard, after he'd done that and he heard a demo of Get It On, he asked to try out vocals on that single too, as they still hadn't had anyone right. else do it. Yeah. Um. And then they decided to do the whole album with Robert Palmer on the back. Oh, okay, yeah. Who, funny enough, Duran Duran were known to be huge fans of anyway. So they ended up working with someone that they respected. Yeah. So, but Palmer bowed out um, and was later accused. So when he left the band to go, obviously, you know, back onto his solo work, and I think he got bigger after leaving them. Mm. He was later accused of ripping off the power station sound. Oh. To which Palmer replied, they took it from me, not the other way round, as I gave the power station that sound. Which, in but, effect, you could say he I did, mean, yeah, he was, but, vote, he was a singer. Mm, but then, it, that sound is linked with power station, not with him. Because if yeah. he was a soloist beforehand... If he brought whatever sound he had as a soloist into Power Station, you can understand. But if he's a soloist of a different sound, you can't say that really. Uh, I get it because it's him, but if like he's already had a career as his own, which I'm guessing was a different sound, so you can't do that. So Palmer was replaced with Michael DeBars from Silverhead. Right. And he performed with them at Live Aid in Philadelphia. Okay. Um, however, the band folded not long after that. And yes, yeah, so they had two top 20 singles. Which one got. top 20 album, which was 1985's Power Station. Oh, self-titled. Self-titled. Number 12 it got to. Okay. So yeah, so their self-titled album, which was uh, a top 20 album, in 1985, got to number 12. So, yes. So, regarding their songs, 
1985, Some Like It Hot. That got to number 14. Okay, I wouldn't put it that high. Like I said, they like to play around their sounds. This one's got a lot of different sounds in it. And also, it's a very long song. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't like long songs. And then 1985 again, Get It On, got to number 22. This is my favourite one. The chorus really saves it because there's not much body to it. It's quite instrumental. But when they do sing, it gets me. Like There's just something about it that gets me. So I'll take that. Okay. Moving on to Big Sound Authority. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing these are a one-hit wonder, right? Because I couldn't even find these on Spotify. I had to listen to this song on YouTube. Like, so, and like, so I couldn't find anything else. And even when I was typing on YouTube, I typed in Big Sound Authority and automatically, you know, like it does on like, search engines it tries to guess what you're going to say the first uh, on the drop down does it guesses what you're trying to type I think I got to big sound a-u-t-h and it filled it in and had this house at the end and I'm like okay so there's got to be like no ovens like nothing else was there so I think there's some sort of one hit wonder got no idea what genre it could be though at all okay so I'm intrigued with that so Big Sound Authority were Tony Burke on vocals and guitar, Julie Hadwen on vocals, right. Martin Wilson on bass, Steve Martinez on drums, Mace Konokan on keyboards, Greg Brown on saxophone, Frank Sego on trombone, and Kevin White on trumpets. So it's However, yeah, but it was, I think they were mainly backing musicians. It was mainly Burke and Hadwen who were the right. main two. Okay. So they were formed in 1983 in London and they are a new wave mod revival. Well, we've not had a mod, mod revival in a while. So. But of course, the group, new wave. The group were formed after Tony Burke and Julie Hadwen both wrote to Paul, replied to Paul Weller who was looking for new artists for his then emerging new label called Respond Records. Right. So he was okay. looking for people and to be on the, the label. Revive, that's where, because obviously Paul Weller is mod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on the back of both getting two separate letters, Weller introduced Burke and Hadwin to each other. Oh, okay. And thus... Big Sound Authority was formed. Right, and that's why when you think of them, you think and of those And they recorded two. on the Respond Records the song History of the World. Okay, no, that one never came up. Like, legit, I'm pretty sure they don't exist on Spotify. No. Tried everything. So the group actually toured on a Respond label tour um, with other new artists on the label. Like, there was this group called The Questions, who I can't say I've heard of, but yeah. Um, and then after the tour, Big Sound Authority were offered a record deal with Weller's uh, Respond Records. However, they turned him down and instead signed with MCA Records. Right. Um, offshoot label Source Records. Okay. So they've moved around a bit with records. Well, they just cut, well, they never right. signed up with Respond. They oh. just answered an ad and done a song, uh, as in, as I said, what's it called? Something history. And then 
Wello on the back of that did offer them a deal, but they turned it down and went with Source Records, which were an offshoot or subsidiary right, okay. NCA Records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that was in 1984, who they released This House Is Where Your Love Stands with in 1985. And that's the one that I've listened to. Uh, they then supported the Kane Gang on tour in 1984 and 85. And then by 1986, the band had disbanded. I said it just one enough. top 30 hit. Oh, just a top 30? Yeah, Ooh, you're not... It, okay, right. Where'd it come? So 1985, this house is where your love stands. Got two. It's got to be top 20. One. Oh, you don't usually give me just one song if it didn't get in the top 20s. I'm surprised, Dad. And you thought that might have been a number one. I really liked it. (laughs) I really liked it. Like, it's energetic. They've got good melodies. It's nice and calm, but not too calm. I don't know. Like, they've got a nice balance. Like, the song is energetic. Like, I don't know. I liked it. But also, I thought they were one-hit wonder, and I thought maybe this song just got them lots of money. I don't even think it done that. So, a bit of a weird group, really, formed by... Yeah, a little bit. ...put together by Paul Weller, and then they didn't even sign for his record label. Yeah, and then they had to kind of make it on their own. Yeah. Bit odd. So, moving on to Opus. What did you think of them? Where were they from? No idea where they're from. Why'd you ask me this? Like, everyone sings in the same language. Like, I don't... There's only been one group where I was like oh this might be and that's only because of videos and I think they said something in their song like and they were Australian like and it was a bit easier I no idea where these are from oh that was men with eight hats then I guess my yeah um, it was yeah under. yes because I was like down under like the song yeah um again these are quite upbeat so I quite like these two ending songs are quite good um don't know what genre would put these down again, but it's hard when there's only one song. Um, and I didn't look for any of any others of these, so I don't know, but I do wanna I do want to look for others of these because of how upbeat this this song is and how much it is quite up okay. my street. So yeah, I'm intrigued because again, only one song. Yeah, it's not a bad song. Okay, so opus are Henwig Rudisa on vocals and guitar. Okay. Eward Felger, backing vocals and guitar. Right, they're not British. Kurt Ren Plizner on keyboards. Right. Nikki Gruber on bass. Right. And Gunter Grasmuck on drums. Okay. Now, apologies if I pronounce any of those wrong. <laughs> I really would not know their names. They're actually formed in 1973. Oh, yet they've only had one hit in the 80s. Um, maybe in their homeland they had more hits, but as far as internationally, they, they only had one. Okay, where are they from? They are actually from Graz in Austria. Oh, that's a new place. Yeah, I wouldn't have yeah. ever got that. But when you were saying their surnames, I'm like, okay, well, they're not British surnames. They're not American surnames. They're like, they've got to be, they're, they're from overseas somewhere. Wouldn't have been able to guess so. Yeah, not many other countries, is there, other than England and America? Well, no, like... <laughs> All right, carry on. They're a pop 
rock band. Oh, okay. Intrigued at what their other music's going to sound like now. So they are the same as um, Red Power Box? Station. Power Station. Oh. Yet they don't, they're not, mm, they're not similar sounding, though, are they? Like their one song, so Power Station. The band is internationally known for its 1985 hit. Live is life. The single reached number one in Canada for seven weeks. Oh, wow. The song also reached number one in Austria, France, Spain, Sweden, and Germany. But obviously Canada was where it mainly done its... Because, um, and it stayed there for seven and weeks. It, it actually gained platinum status in Canada. Oh, wow. So they really liked that over there, didn't they? So the song is also known for being played while Diego Maradona did keepy-uppies to the music, which was being blared out in the stadium at the time in the semi-final of the UEFA Cup between Napoli and Bayern Munich. Oh, okay. Um, So he played for Bayern Munich and... um, while the song was being played, was being played. He stood there and did to the rhythm of it. He started dancing and then doing the keepy uppies and everything. And um, there's quite a few videos of it on YouTube. Ah, so then maybe they've up. had people. And the music, I can assure you, hasn't been just put onto it. It was already playing, and he's actually the moves he's doing is to the music generally. Maradona, so, did yes. you say that was Maradona, Diego Maradona? Yes, of Argentina. Okay. So, yeah, they, yeah the, the song's a, a top 10 single. So oh, okay. Where do you think it came in England, bear in mind, or the UK? Five. Bear in mind, it was number one in quite a few others. Five. We're going to go okay, middle diddle. 85, Live is Life, number six. Oh, see, I went far off. There's a good one. I recognised it as well, but I don't know where I recognise it from. But it's give it gives you those happy feelings. I don't know. It's a yeah. I enjoyed it. Okay, good. Right, hit or miss, and I'm not really looking forward to this because why not? I don't know. I don't think there's many. Okay. So we start with the Pet Shop Boys. Hit. I thought they might be. There they are. I I thoroughly enjoy them. Ah. Just as well, really. But, I mean, I've listened to every single song possible, so. <laughs> okay, just show so. How many of their songs got to the top 40? Yeah, but you took me um, through the decade. They weren't a one-hit one, wonder. They weren't a one-decade one, wonder. They were three decades. I am surprised they've never split up as well. More, like, that's well no, three decades, yeah. Yeah, so. and they've never split up. Good, isn't it? And they're still going. Oh. Um, the cult. Miss. Awful. So. Don't do rock. <laughs> no. Red box. So I was on the fence with these because they are like upbeat. They are a happy band. And I have gone for a hit. Ah. With the two Good. songs. I like I Red like Box. Them. I like them. I wish they made more songs, really. Oh, well, they did. So I got their album, but not mm. commercially. Yeah, like hitting. They were a bit of a flop as far as commercial went. Mm. Um, Power Station. 
miss. Yeah, they, yeah. They, it's the rock, though, isn't it? Yeah. So they're, they're a miss for me. Big sound authority. Hit. Uh-huh. Even though only one song and you couldn't find any others. Yeah, but I really like it. And, and like, I've got to look at it as when I say a hit, it's whether I would explore them more. Uh-huh. Well, I can't explore these anymore. So if I like that yeah. one song, yeah, yeah, then it's a hit, True. isn't it? Yeah. Okay. And Opus. I really like the song. I am scared to explore more, though. So I went for a miss. Because these ones, that's, I don't think... That's a bit I'm contradictory good. to what you just said about Big, big no, Sound No, because authority. I know that I can't explore any more Big Sound Authority. I think you wouldn't be able to really with Opus, because their other songs are probably Austrian. Oh, OK. Because they probably... This was their only international song. Well, then in that sense, they never hit. you to, to change, have I? Oh, no, you've just... Well, I'm just going based on what you said about Big... Big sound authority. Well, yeah, in that case, and then, then yeah, a hit like that song there is a hit with me. And if they add more like that, but yeah, I guess into yeah, okay. I mean, no hit as I say, they've been going since 1973, but there is no. So there is probably more, but because they've not come over, I here. think it would have been in their own country. And whether that's and then for sad. some reason they had this one song, they've done it in English, it was a massive hit, and then and bam, Canadians it. loved it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, okay, fair week this week, really, in the end, then. Just a rock. Yeah, but you know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are you ready for this week? Go for it. Let's see. So it's the penultimate of Series 2 next week. Which I have learned what it means. Yes. (laughs) So, next week you have... Erasure. Oh, I forgot about these. Simply Red. Okay, I've heard of them. Go West. Yeah, I've just had a song about Go West. Katrina and the Waves. Okay, no idea. Atlantic Star. No. And the Dream Academy. No. Okay, I feel like next week is going to be about erasure and Simply Red. Okay. But we will see. We shall. Mm. So, yes. So, just to recap, erasure, Simply Red, Go West, Katrina and the Waves, Atlantic Star and the Dream Academy. Okay. So, we shall discuss those next week. I will send over the songs for you. Yeah. And let you listen away during the week. Yeah. I can do that. Okay. All right then. Brilliant. On that, I will say goodbye. Yeah. And I'll speak to you next week. You will indeed. Okay. Bye. Bye, Dad. <laughs>